Hey guys, what's going on? It's Daniel and Tommy, and we are here in the in the Leaf Fast offices working on a podcast with this cool guy right here. Uh, his name's Alan Crispin. He was our guest last week on the podcast that you're about to see. Uh, but he is a law enforcement officer, and for safety and protocol's sake, we're going to take out his rank and the organization he works for. It's because the story is really cool about how he started his business on the side and what's going on with that right now, and we want to share that with you. The way we met was he was the arresting officer for the one and only time I've ever been arrested, and so that story's good. We're going to tell you that story and how that chance encounter led to some business coaching that changed his life. Daniel loved it. He loved to laugh at me the whole time. So this is one of the better podcasts. We hope you enjoy it. We'll talk soon. But yeah, so today's going to be actually really fun uh because we have a special story for people yeah it's gonna um, be uh i don't know if fun is the no, word it's, I would it's use. gonna be fun uh this is a tommy story that a lot of people don't know and uh i'm not going to i'm not i'll let you tell the story but i'll just say this is a story about how uh tommy and uh crispin met and it is not the typical meet cute you see in uh, romantic comedies. <laughs> I'll not, tell you that. It's not a meet cute. Now uh, <laughs> it could be, depending on who's directing it. So there might be a, it's a, a Quentin Tarantino, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a Tarantino film, Michael Bay or something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. But anyways, no. So this is a this is a good story. Why don't you why don't you tell us how you guys met? Yeah. Okay. So uh, I managed to be forty before I got arrested for anything, uh, but I did get arrested uh, and. In here is my arresting officer. Uh, he uh, had the privilege of putting me in handcuffs for the first time, which I don't even have that privilege. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. So that's uh, it's been, uh, but I did. I, I managed to be a forty-year-old grown man with three kids and a wife and a, and a couple of careers at that point before I'd ever got in trouble for anything. I'm impressed. Yeah, no, I mean, I could have gotten in trouble along the oh, way. Oh, I know you could. Um, we did I heard a lot the stories of, your mom told on a previous yeah, yeah, podcast. So yeah. We've done a lot of dumb things. Uh, but yeah, so I uh, was 40 years old, but I was in you know one of our career, after I'd sold my first two companies and was uh, doing some stuff, and I was traveling a lot for sales and doing meeting customers and things. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, was traveling back home in my car from like North Florida, coming through Southern Georgia. And when I travel in my car, in, in general... I have a firearm on me. It's locked in my glove box and all that stuff. But just in case I break down in the middle of nowhere, I don't want to get, you know, run up on banditos or anything. Somebody come up and, you yeah. know, get me in the middle of Georgia. Um, and I've seen those movies. I know it yeah, happens. Typical Georgia stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. You can't be down like around Albany without a firearm. It's like it's state law, actually. Right, it's yeah. State law in Georgia. If you're in that county, you have to have a firearm on you at all times. So uh, it's not state law, is it? It's not. I'm looking. Somebody's, cause somebody's <laughs> knows, going to. But he knows. because he he, um, so anyways, I was, uh, I was coming home and when I came home, just random coincidence, my kids were in the yard. Uh, so they came running up to see daddy cause I'd been gone for a week and hugged me at the car. And so when I got my gun out of my car, I just put it in my book bag and walked in and set it down in the closet and, you know, locked everything up and, uh, went and had a, you know, evening with my family. So the next morning I woke up very late for a flight, grabbed my bag that was already packed, grabbed my book bag and ran out of the, ran out of the house wasn't thinking anything about it because I was getting on a plane and uh, accidentally forgot that in the bottom of my book bag was my firearm. And so I went through TSA with, <laughs> with a loaded nine millimeter. Would you um, recommend that? No, they frown on that, actually. It's oh, okay. really funny. Um, they do not allow that to happen. Um, and, and, and I was traveling, like I said, a lot, you know, three, four times a month. And I knew all the, I mean, the airport security people knew me. As a matter of fact, when I, I, and 
you know, I've got gray hair and you guys know. Uh, and, uh, and so I, I walked up, the, the TSA lady said, there's my distinguished gentleman. Where you been? Like, you know, everybody knew me and whatever. So like, so we were like cutting up and if they I, didn't, they do now. Yeah, <laughs> they do. They absolutely know now. And I'd taken my laptop out and you know, whatever, and just didn't see it. And, uh, and, and, ha- and the funny part is, is had I seen it before it went through x-ray, I could have just grabbed my bag and walked back to the yeah. car. Um, you know, I live in South Carolina and I mean, we can see, like you said earlier, we can see Georgia out the window. Um, if, if I would have had my Georgia and the airport happens to be in Georgia, if I would have had my Georgia carry, I could have walked it back out to the car. I mean, it's not, it's a weird, it's a weird like misdemeanor on the books. Even but, if they catch you, as long as you have your license, you get a, well, you get a chance to take it back to your car, get somebody to gotcha. get your weapon and it just be a report. That's crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, so, still, I wouldn't recommend that, but yeah. But unfortunately for me, <laughs> unfortunately for me, I, uh, I, I did not uh, get either one of those privileges. Uh, so, but they did. I, I, I was standing there like just chatting with one of the TSA agents uh, waiting on my bags to come through. And I hear, um, uh, um, I need a supervisor. And I mean, like spider sense started. Oh my gosh. It was the worst man. Like my (laughs) skin was all clammy. I knew exactly what it was immediately. It was like, ah, crap, my guns in my bag. And so I, I told the lady, I said, you're going to need a marshal over here. Uh, I think my, I think you start telling on yourself. (laughs) I've never been in trouble for anything. And I haven't because I know I'll tell on myself. I can't, I can't ever get arrested. I'll wrap myself out. Um, and I was like, you're going to need a marshal. And then, and walked around the corner. He was, uh, working at that time and uh walked around and i was like and i i think i was the first one to tell him i was like hey i think my i think my firearms in my bag and he was like stand here don't move and he went over and looked and sure enough and i was like can you do i was like i don't know you don't i don't know if you know me but people here do uh in augusta it's a very small town um and i don't mind standing here could you just turn because they have like like 37 inch like flat screen facing out to the public and you can see all the oh there was people there oh there were people in line and like oh, they have the they have man. the x-rays pointed out to the oh, public geez. and i was like bro can you get them to turn that screen around i mean my god i mean people <laughs> people are walking by that know me and i'm standing here right. looking at you like you're a terrorist uh, yeah yeah so and <laughs> you just oh is that a 4k you're just trying to deflect yeah, yeah. yeah i didn't you know my shoes didn't have fuses on them or nothing oh, i was man. clean um but no but it was uh and then you know obviously he secured the firearm and walked me out of there and put cuffs on me and put me in the, in the, in the marshal's office there at the airport. And, you know, where the marshal's office, uh, I, I think they, they could tell pretty, pretty much cause I was shaking that I'd never, you know, I'm not, I wasn't trying to do anything. It was an accident, but they, you know, followed protocol and took me to their offices and everything. And, um, and I got arrested. I, I d- didn't have any of the prerequisite paperwork to not get arrested. So I got arrested at 40. Um, the, the single most embarrassing thing, Google me, you can see my mugshot. Do we tell the TikTok story? Uh, oh, yeah, people know. Like I, I've got one, I, I have a TikTok account. I have one TikTok on it and I have one TikTok on it because somebody commented the first, the very first thing. Like, oh yeah, this is great. Except for his arrest record. So like, like who people, Googles? I don't know, bro. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Here's but they I did find know. it out. I want to know what your first impression was of Tommy, because I know people do get nervous. Like when you realize you're like, Oh God, this is happening. People get nervous or, you know, but when you have Tommy, they're pleading his case and I wasn't there. I would like to be there. Right. Um, but what, what was it like? Like, what did, what did you think? Was like, was it, Oh, this guy might be crazy. Or did no, you realize it was a, I actually feel like I, f- I felt like it was, um, it was accidental. I, Accident, I, okay. I could tell just based off what he was saying, yeah. how nervous he was. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. 
I just wondered if Tommy was making his case worse or, you know. No, no. Because I feel like I would. I, I would be saying some of the stuff you were, but with like a really, you know, anxious like tick to it. And, yeah. Yeah. and they'd be like, okay, you know, code whatever. We got a crazy right here. No, I mean, I, I was... I mean, I was so apologetic. Like, guys, I understand you got to do what you got to do. But God, dog, I'm so sorry. I hate yeah. to put y'all. I was apologizing to them. <laughs> I, I hate I put y'all in that position. I can't. I think. I think I came back up like the next day with donuts or something. It was like, I'm sorry, I did that. <laughs> yep. Um, and just apologize to the whole crew. Like, but it was. Uh, it started a long 14 hour day for me. Mm -hmm. So, um, but in that first couple of hours, mm -hmm. um, instead of me having to go to. A, uh, they had to work on a lot of paperwork anyway. And so they, uh, I, I set the marshal's office handcuffed. And during that time, they were sort of like, you know, we were talking, but really they were interviewing me. Yeah. But, uh, profiling. Yeah. yeah for, for sure. 100%. But, but it did come up that I, I, was, I was like, you know, what I do now is I coach people with businesses and, and help entrepreneurs and startups and stuff. And then I think as part of that interview process, like, well, I have a business that I'm trying to start and this is what it is. And so, um, through that process, I got to know a little bit about his business. And then uh, a couple of, you know, an hour went by or so. And then they had to like do the perp walk. So I had to like, you know, get my handcuffed and walk out of the airport and get in the back of the marshal's vehicle and all that stuff. Um, but <laughs> me to county and uh, on, the, on the whole way up there, the whole way we talked about his business and about how he could expand it and get it going and what he needed to do. And here's how I thought about business. And then, um, got to the end of the, uh, got to the end of the trip. And I was like, well, Hey, look, here's what, get my contact info. I want to make sure we stay in touch. Cause I want to help if I can with your business. And we did, we were able to do that. And, uh, and so he's got a cool business story. So that's, I'm like, you can always use every opportunity to help someone else. So even yeah. if you're like in the worst moment right. and I will say, I'm going to tell this story because it makes me feel better about my life. But we got to the jail and we were walking and we got two steps from the door and you know, you're not allowed, he's not allowed to take his firearm into the jail. He was supposed to secure it in his car. We got two steps from the door and he was like, Oh wait, my, my uh, gun. See, so even, <laughs> even the pros, done, folks. even the pros forget sometimes <laughs> that's even the, that's yeah. I, I, I remember that distinctly because I felt so vindicated. I was like, Oh, okay. Even he can, <laughs> even he, even he, the professional can forget his firearm is on his side from time to time. Um, but yeah, so so tell us about Leo Customs, Law Enforcement Officer Customs, because I always thought it was a cool idea when you heard. I didn't realize that that was a need. Right. So when we started uh, Leo Customs, uh, we used to make our, our Leo stands out of wood, mm -hmm. um, hence the custom. We used to paint them. I used to build them. My wife would uh, paint them. We would put custom work on it, you know, put your name on it, yeah. unit number, whatever it is you wanted on there. Um, and we did that for a little while, but while we were doing that, uh, people were asking whether or not our Leo stands came with a lockbox or if they were wall mountable, which they weren't at the time. And I got enough of those questions to the point to where I actually stopped production of the wooden stands and started looking into converting over to creating metal stands with a lockbox that were wall mountable. Looking into the, you know, the the market, nobody else seems to have a product like our Leo stands, which is a two-in-one, a yeah. wall mountable stand, one location, organization, everything. Lock your guns up. And um, what it is is it allows you to ha put all your daily duty gear on that stand. You can take your ballista vest off and hang it on there, like you said earlier. Yeah. You know, you come, you get home from work, you've been working 12 hours, yeah. you, your vest might be a little sweaty, so you just hang it up. You can safeguard your weapons in it, keep them away from your children or any uh, other uh, unauthorized persons. Right. Um, hang your duty belt on it, uh, your radio, charge it, 
anything, really. Everything that you would use for your everyday use at work, you would put on your Leo stand. And that's so cool. And uh, what's awesome about it, I thought was, uh, I thought it was, you know, police officers buying it primarily, but really is the spouses. They're, they're, oh, they're, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tired of picking yeah, up your crap that, yeah. off the floor. Basically, yeah. basically. Here's the vest and here's that and the gun's up here. And <clears throat> so they're the ones buying it, you know, uh, for the most part. But um, we, have, we have a pretty cool story. It took a little while to come, come around to finally getting mass production in. That's awesome. And so, you know, that wasn't the that and that wasn't even the last time. So, you know, it was a couple of I mean, a couple of weeks later, like so we owned Garden City Social, this like hot right. spot in our city. And I told him like, Hey man, come down, like bring your wife, come hang out and uh and he took me up on it. I get a text and it's I him. Almost did. Yeah, I was about to say you really have to trust did. somebody really, really to, that real. you arrested to now like either call him back, let him know your number, or bring him your family around him. Right. Yeah, and that was brave, man. Yeah. That was that was super brave. But uh he did. He showed up at Garden City Social and like got a drink and just hung out and uh and he, you know, was telling about talking about like financing these things, and and so I just tried to like along the way be a source of like, well, you know, you could do it this way, and then maybe not source, or you could go here and get I- information, and like here's where you where you could produce things and stuff like that. But he figured all this out on his own, and now Le- we'll we'll show the video, but like Leo Customs is like now getting mass produced and, so cool, and all this other stuff, and. There's two models. There's the floor stand and the wall mountable model, right, and all this. So cool. It's incredible to see you go from like concept to you know having a real business, and not just the business, but like you and I have talked a little bit. But tell me about the impact on your life, like with your wife and everything. Well, it, it's a it's a good feeling. It, it was a lot of. It took a lot of with three years in the making, or three plus years in the making. Uh, a lot of roadblocks. A lot of trying to get lending from banks and this bank yeah. and that credit union <laughs> and SBA and everybody possible. Right. Um, and it, it just got to the point to where everybody was pretty much saying, hey, well, unfortunately we can't because you don't have any proof of sales. Well, I'm like, well, I need, inventory, I need right. inventory to be able to have proof of sales. Sir, that is why I'm here. So. <laughs> right. But uh, eventually uh, I actually came home one day and, and we we're, were doing really good um, financially yeah. uh, for once, you know, and, and – I told my I said, look, I need X amount of dollars from our savings account. And she's like, why? I said, for Leo Customs. You give me X amount from the savings, I can flip it and make this. And wow. after this flip and that flip and that flip, I can make X amount of dollars. And, yeah. and that's what we did. We pulled from savings. We opened a bank account for the business, stopped worrying about getting lending from the banks. Yeah. And um, went to, we ended up going to Mexico uh, for production, which okay. I actually, after research and research, like, try, you know, trying to find a manufacturer all around the world, I found out that uh, Mexico was uh, ranked number two for uh, producing metal goods into the United States. So okay. that means everyone else is using them. So yeah. me too. Right. And and that's where we're at with so that. So how, uh, how, how much is it grown? Like, are you, is it pretty like nationwide right now? Or are you actually, yeah. I, um, I was just, I was telling uh, Tommy the other day, um, I, I just realized your, your, your spot was here. I actually come to the UPS right down the road, right, right here in the same plaza. Uh, to drop off my packages for shipping. Oh, wow. And uh, when I was getting back in the truck, I'm like, what? Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I text him right away. I'm like, yeah, I'm right outside, you know. And um, that's how we ended up here today. Uh, but I was, I have orders in, you know, Utah, California, Arizona, uh, Boston, Puerto Rico. That's so cool. Uh, Florida. Yeah. Uh, some local orders, but majority of my orders are from just all all around the United States yeah. right now. I had a place in, uh, had somebody in Canada uh, order. Wow. And a guy reached out from South uh, South Africa on TikTok. Wow. He's like, hey, you guys ship internationally? I'm like, we do, but that's 
It's on you. It's on you, yeah. on you but we would be glad to send you one. Absolutely. But that, everybody seems yeah. to be buying them. That's crazy. That's so cool. Like, yeah, and it's, and it's one of those things where an entrepreneur, somebody, I mean, a million other people in law enforcement right. have said, man, I wish I had this kind of stand, like, right? And have thought, and like, you're not the first person to have this idea to right. create a stand for your duty gear. But you're the, you know, one of the first people that had an entrepreneur spirit and said, I can, not only can I do this, but I can mass produce it, sell it and make my life better. Right. Um, and like that, me one night and I was sitting at the house and it's another one of those moments that I won't ever forget that and him almost met, taking his gun into the jail. Uh, <laughs> the, but he called and he was like, Hey, I just want to say thanks because some of those conversations helped me get here. And now we're like, we've, we've, cha we've changed houses and I've been able to like change positions at like my job and go here so I can have more time to focus on the wow, business. Yeah. And like being able to have some small part, cause he did all the work. Like, you know, I just said some things but have some small part in his life getting better is really kind of like the whole thing about lead fast. And so when he told me that, I was like, bro, you've got to come on the podcast. Yeah. We've got to, cause this is a, this is a stuff that like we live for. Like it's right, not, right. you know, we, we talk a lot about like, Hey, if you lead big teams or if you are, uh, you know, the corporate CEO and you want to get to the next place and all these other things, but like really the principles that we teach and the, and the, and like the encouragement that we give and some of, some of the advice that we kind of pass along the way, they're really meant for for guys like him who have a dream and are just like, hey, you know what? I'm I'm just gonna bootstrap it because our first company, it failed miserably, but and we almost lost everything. I mean, literally our entire life savings because we were doing what you did. We bootstrapped it. We believed in the dream. Nobody would give us any money, and we just went after it. Um, and that for us was a big big deal because it taught us that we could do it, you know, like you'll never, I, I can't foresee a day where you're not a business owner now. Cause you'll, right. cause now you know you can, right. now yeah. you know you can generate dollars out of thin air with an idea. Um, and I'm sure there'll be iterations on like, you've already went from, I can sell this on a pedestal so I can also sell a wall mountable unit to, right. and now there'll be some other iteration that right. we have some up our sleeves. Yeah, yeah I'm sure you do. <laughs> um, and so like, that's that, that part of the story for me, is the best yeah. part of the story. Um, now, did you did you grow up like with any business? Like, you have any family members? Your mom and dad really into business or anything? Like, this is just no. like, are you first generation entrepreneur? Yes, I'd like to say so. Um, yeah, we we grew up really poor in, in Puerto Rico and, and coming over to the states and you know it's just a, a hard life. Yeah, I feel like we had a lot of similarities in, in some of the, the stories that we shared on the way yeah. to jail. On the way to jail, <laughs> man. It felt like that was like a two hour ride, but it was just a few minutes. But oh, we, I know we, how that goes. Uh, <laughs> I have a six hour ride with him tomorrow, so you can <laughs> yeah, imagine. Yeah. Have fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he said, just, "Have fun." <laughs> he looked you in the eyes and said, "Have fun." <laughs> oh man. But um, no, I, I, I would say I'm. One of the first ones to come up with a, a business idea and actually yeah. put it into into play like it is. Um, let me ask you this. When you first started out, uh, I mean, you had the idea. I know you said you took some savings and you, you were like, hey, I can. You had the math down. Like, if I do this, I can, you know, get this. And if we get this, we can turn that into this. I, I imagine that starting that is probably... Uh, scary in some sense it is yeah. it is but once i mean after after three years of just crunching numbers mm -hmm. i was telling i've told i don't know how many times i've told tommy there's not a number i haven't crunched i literally have a spreadsheet where you can change into one number and it's going to change all the numbers across the board for the next year or two like it's it's there yeah i know it's there i believe in it i just need the funding right 
Uh, so that's 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 what's getting at. So that's what's important, uh, I think, for everybody out there who's listening is that you crunch numbers, and I'm sure you hit numbers that just didn't add up or didn't. Right. You know, you, well, well, I can't do that because. And I think a lot of people stop at that point, and right. they don't push past that, or they don't they don't pursue that. But you said you crushed them for three years. I did. So that's a dream that you didn't give up on. So right. like that tells me that you not having time to do this full time didn't stop you. you. It took you three years to get there, right? But you got there, and the numbers not adding up didn't stop you, and, and this other stuff. And so um, that's what I was getting at because I was wondering, you know, like if there were any setbacks, but it was the mindset. I was going to ask right. you what pushed you through that, but it seems like it was the mindset of that. That's so cool. That's right. awesome. And now you're Thank nationwide, you. worldwide, South okay. Africa. Yeah, awesome. Canada. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah, the the numbers were, you know, like so. I'm a I'm a Shark Tank junkie. That show on TV, right? And so that's the thing that they get entrepreneurs for all the time. They don't know their numbers. Right. They come in, they don't know like what their carrying cost is and all this other stuff. And so um, that first that first meeting at Garden City when he came in for a drink, we were I felt sitting, like I was on Shark Tank with him. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. But we were sitting there, and I was like, so so you know what's what's your cost? And I was drilling him like you know like what, what what does it cost you to make it? Where are you getting it manufactured? How can you get your cost down? All these other things. And he like didn't skip a beat. He knew he knew That's every so cool. number, yeah. and you know, and I just and I, I knew then that like, well, one, he's probably gonna he's gonna do this. Like this is like it's a for sure thing. I knew how long he'd put into it. It's not, it was a great idea. Um, I talked to some other people, and they were they thought it was a great idea. And then on top of it, like he knew, like he just knew right. exactly what he needed to make it happen. And um, you know, being able to bootstrap that was the, I mean, just the best thing that he could have done because, you know, if he'd taken, taken money and not returned it, he would have lost the equity, but now he owns all the company and he still has the right. success. Um, so cool. Yeah, it's it's amazing. And, you know, again, that's like, like I don't know, I'm, if there's a way to like put Crispin up on a trophy shelf, like that's like, <laughs> oh yeah, like this is lead fast. No, yeah, first, for sure. This was his first win because you guys didn't even exist when this happened. Right. You know, this was pre like us joining and making a team and, and cre this was just me doing lead fast by myself as like a side, this was my side hustle right. Right. was helping and training uh, entrepreneurs. And he was the first person that really took some of the advice and ran with it and, and turned it into something tangible. And so, uh, yeah, I, I look at his success like, Oh man, I had a part of that yeah. and it makes me super proud to see him do all the things he does. Um, that's a full circle moment. Yeah, it, yeah, it was good. Both. And now he's and now he's on our podcast <clears throat> yeah. telling the story awesome. about the day he arrested me. Uh, <laughs> there's no love at all. Uh, but yeah, it's been uh, you know congratulations to you, you, man. And uh, there's a there's a company that has these shirts that says uh, first generation millionaire. And I mean, I think that's you, man. I think that like not only are you like did did you get a business together and you're a first generation entrepreneur, but like this is this is changing your family history you right. know like you you know had it rough coming up poor from puerto rico and, and right. being an immigrant and first generation not fir first generation american because puerto ricans are american i'm not stupid <laughs> um but um but there's a higher road when you come over from anywhere into our into the mainland into, into right. the country into the states like it's it's just a harder and a higher and a longer ladder and you've done it like you got in the law enforcement and then you found a need and then you had the entrepreneurial spirit and the grit to say i can do it on my own right and i mean you're a family man you've got kids you know and what you've done has forever impacted how they'll view the success yeah, and what's possible for them right and now they'll go do more right. and you know who knows 
15, 20 years from now, they're taking over Leo Customs, and it's the largest manufacturer of law enforcement uh, byproduct and, and right. auxiliary and accessory products on that's the planet. The plan. So, I mean, how, it's how crazy because that's not far fetched. Like, right. that's something it's, that can, yeah. remember yeah. today. Yeah. That's yeah. the plan. Yeah, no. So, hey, lead fast. Write that down when Leo Customs is like the largest trade show, uh, you know, trade show exhibitor at all the law enforcement trade shows yeah. and they're doing all the right. stuff. It started with my arrest. <laughs> <laughs> no, it started with a heck of an idea and the willingness and the grit to like see it through. I'm glad you cleared that up because it'll be <laughs> more police officers want to arrest you so they can get some good ideas out of you. Right. So that's some free lead fast time right there. Yeah, wh what are you driving now? Yeah. <laughs> it changes a lot it on does purpose. Change a lot. It that's, that's, that's why a strategy. you do it. That's, that's why you do it. I just figured it out. Okay. That's so cool. So what's, uh, do, do you have a website right now? I do. The website's uh, Leo Customs, leo-customs.com. Okay. Um, and then I'm on Facebook as well, Leo Customs, LLC. Okay. And it's, and it's not just law enforcement. Like if you're in the military, you right. know, or I mean, heck, if you're an avid sportsman and you've got, right. you know, you know you're coming in with your firearms and you want to put up your orange vest and hang everything up and right. all the other stuff that you've got, um, it really is a great gear rack. Um, it just is. I would have killed for one of those in the military, just a wreck. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm world's worst of losing my stuff, and you know all the little Molly attachments that go in your vest. Yeah, absolutely. And then they, they want those back when you leave, like right. to go to another <laughs> state. And if you leave, you leave that one pouch, that gun, this little bitty tiny pouch that clips right here, or whatever. Right. They're not letting you go, and it's just oh man. Yeah, it's, it's for them too. Yeah, it's for them too. So yeah, spread the um, word about that. For yeah, sure. no, for sure. And we've got we've got some connections there. So we'll put all the stuff on our website. But hey, thank you guys so much for uh, joining us today. Thank you for coming in and awesome. hanging out and telling our story. Yeah, thank you. Um, thank you for having me. Yeah, man, proud of you, dude. Awesome. Super proud of you. Thank you. Proud of both of you guys. Well, I was the one getting arrested. So <laughs> proud of you. You got a podcast now. So. That's right. There, there we go. Hey guys, we'll see you next time.